0: Well, again, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. And uh, we are all so glad and delighted that you were able to find us online and that we get to gather uh, even in this way. Uh, it, is, it is certainly a gift uh, to to know and, uh, and not just be able to sort of imagine, but to know that we are gathering around the same thing, around the same person of Jesus. And so uh, just... Thank you for for taking the time to do that. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, we give you great thanks for this day and for your presence in our lives. I ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would move uh, and that you would unite us. You would bring us together um, even though uh, we are unable to physically be in the same space. Uh, We know that that is... Um, not uh, something that blocks you from bringing us together. And so I pray that you would unite us in only the way that you can. Um, yeah, and we would experience that, uh, that community uh, even though uh, it, it seems like there is a barrier. Um, we sang today about you being one who takes down barriers, so I pray that you would. Barriers that keep us from you and barriers that keep us from each other, you would help us to... Um, to know um, you and to be a community, uh, even though we are separated, we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> well, we are uh, have been in our uh, sermon series uh, in the Gospel of John called "Believe and Live" uh, for a while, um, and uh, it has been uh, it's been kicking my tail. Uh, just to let you know, it has been good and awesome and all that stuff. And I, there was a quote we started off with that I wanted to, to share again because I feel like it's pretty appropriate. Um, and it's by Sir Edwin Hoskins and it says this. Um, it says that a person would not be true to the book, meaning the gospel, uh, if at the end of it, uh, the, gospel, the gospel does not still remain strange, restless, and unfamiliar. Um, and I think we are gonna find that to be very much the case today uh, that as we move through this it's gonna it's gonna feel weird at times and it's gonna feel uh, just different even though for some of us we have read this a lot of times and i wanted to remind us also of how we got this believe and live title Uh, in john 20 verse 31 it says this but these are written meaning the the whole uh, gospel uh, but these are written that you may believe that jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so this, this whole thing, John says, is written to uh, facilitate belief and through that belief bring life. Um, and so, yeah. So with that, today, uh, we're gonna be looking at actually three chapters. And I know for a lot of you, you just went, and I'm out. Uh, but don't, don't do that. Stay with us, because um, what I'm gonna tell you is I'm not gonna read all three chapters um, I'm going to read some parts, and some of them I'm going to summarize and kind of walk us through some of the important parts. And what I want you to know with that is for some of you, I am going to sort of skip or skim maybe some of your favorite parts. So don't leave though; Stay with us. Um, I, I think you'll find it, it to be helpful. Um, so just want you to know that, that that's, that's what we're doing. And, and, and it's really this, this sort of uh, Jesus has come to this point where he's been having all kinds of conversations with all kinds of people throughout this gospel, whether they're family members, friends, strangers, people he's not supposed to be talking to, people who are curious about him, people who hate him, and and everybody. And it seems to be this continual trend of people being confused, unsettled, uh, unsure about who he is. And it just brings me back again to that quote uh, of of this gospel leaving us feeling strange, restless, and unfamiliar. And I wonder how many people felt that same thing when they were asking Jesus their questions. I don't get what you're saying. Are you really saying this? Um, and, and so I think... It it helps us get in the mindset of the people who who we're walking with through these stories. Um, So the chapters we're going to look at today are John uh, 14, 15, and 16, uh, and it's going to be a focus on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's kind of role in what it means to believe and live. And so we're going to start with uh, a section from John 14, and it's, cha- it's chapter 14 verses 15 through 31. Uh, so if you have your Bible, you can turn there, uh, or you can read along on the, the screen. The words will be up on the screen as I read, or you can use our Bible tab in, in the online format that's there for you also. So here we go, John 14, 15 through 31. If you love me, On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I, and I have told you now before it happens, so when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. He says, come now, let us leave. Now, there's a lot going on in this section. In fact, lots of commentators talk about these three chapters, that the language and, and everything is so compacted that it is like uh, one of those, uh, those toy, those prank toys where there's a can and you open it and like the spring springs out, that it feels like that when you start reading this. All the information, all the content. And so we're gonna try to, pick through some of it and and work through the stuff that is moving us in the direction uh, that the spirit uh, is involved in today, I think. Uh, So uh, I wanna address first, Jesus talks about, you gotta keep my commands, right? And I wanna figure out what this word keep means. The Greek word there is tereo, and it means to attend or to carefully take care of, to guard or to observe. And it's like, the idea is like tending a garden, But it's more than that. It's not just keeping track of this garden. It's it's something that is growing internally in us, as if the garden was inside of us, so that we are nourished by and given direction and life by these commandments that we're tending to. And Jesus says, when you do that, I'm gonna ask the Father, and God is gonna give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, these words, another and advocate, are the words alas parakletos uh yeah and uh it means uh another in here means another of the same kind right so it's not like uh if i say i want a hamburger and someone's going to give you i'm going to give you another kind of food and they give me a banana right those aren't of the same kind right this is another of the same kind now we don't know what that other is um and so we're going to figure that out but the parakletos means uh one who comes alongside as an advocate and a helper um In secular Greek, the word was uh, most often used in legal terms. So it was someone who would come along in in court and be an advocate or as a witness or a representative for somebody. And so it's got all of this wrapped up in it. It's someone who comes alongside and carries along with, but it's also got this sense of being able to represent. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you another one of the same something who is going to come alongside you and be a help for you. And he's going to stand for you and advocate for you, right? And so far, this sounds pretty good. But there is this sense in it that something's up, right? Jesus is beginning to talk about something that is going to be difficult for his followers to hear. And so he says, uh, you know, um, the advocate's going to be with you forever. And that, I think, tips the disciples off. Like, oh, why do we need someone to be with us forever? Like something's up here. Right? And Jesus goes on, it's the spirit of truth and literally it's translated, it's the wind of truth. And he says, and you already know the spirit of truth because the spirit of the truth lives with you and will be in you. And this all sounds great, but then Jesus says, I, and I won't leave you as orphans. If you're sitting in this group and listening to this conversation, the feeling would change when Jesus says, oh, I gotta let you know, I'm, I am leaving. And there's a sense for the disciples that they're kind of like, wait, 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 what? And so Jesus continues. The world will not see me, but you will see me. Okay, so maybe they're a little more relaxed now again. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father And you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So here we are again with these commands and Jesus is talking about the world's not gonna see me, you will, but if you have my commands. And again, this doesn't mean to have like have in possession of or to own, but it means to have in an internal sense, to take them in to our person and make them our own so that they are like breathing for us. We're to keep them to tend and allow them to grow and have this sense of movement in us. One of my favorite authors is a person named Sheldon Vonnegut and in this book he's talking about he and his uh, wife and they had this quote that I think summarizes kind of what this is about. And the quote says, whatever one of us asked the other to do and it was assumed the asker would weigh all the consequences the other would do. Thus one might wake the other in the night and ask for a cup of water and the other would peacefully and sleepily fetch it. We in fact defined courtesy as a cup of water in the night and we considered it a very great courtesy to ask for the cup as well as to fetch it. When we love somebody, We are connected to them in such a way that we will do things that we might not normally do that they ask us to do. I'm sure many of us can think of people who there was something we didn't even want to do. Not because it was morally wrong, but it's just, I don't like cleaning litter boxes, right? I don't like doing this or doing that. But we do it because we love somebody and they've asked us to. Jesus says on this day that he's referring to when when he's going to show up to his disciples but not to the world, which seems to point to Jesus' death and his resurrection from the dead, where he shows up to his followers on a handful of occasions, um, that on that day you're going to realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And basically what Jesus is saying, when that happens, you're going to realize all these things that I've said, all this time we've spent together, it's all very real. And it's gonna be more than what you know it to be right now. That when I say I am sent by the Father and that I don't do anything, I don't do anything for my own gain, but only for God and only what the Father tells me to do, that that is all true. And that his appearing to them is gonna be the thing that helps them realize this. And so again, he goes on to say, the one who loves him, you know, the the word love is used eight times in these 11 verses that we're looking at. He says, the one who loves him will be loved by God and he will love them also and show himself to them. Now, out of this, Judas, not uh, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, uh, but a different Judas, he asks this question. So why are you showing yourself to us but not the world? We continue to see the puzzling nature of Jesus' life and his teachings as we encounter more questions, not bad questions, but questions reveal that there's a gap between what Jesus is often saying and what the people around him, including us, are often receiving. Judas is most likely thinking of what he's been taught, that the Messiah is going to do certain things that the Messiah is going to overthrow the world powers that are in in opposition, excuse me, to Israel and establish Israel as his chosen uh, sort of ruling government and that God's going to be over that and it's going to right the world. And so there's this sense of, uh, for Judas, like, wait, 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 you're going to show yourself to us but not the world? How does that fit into the plan that I've been told? Jesus' response is really interesting because it seems like he doesn't even acknowledge the question and he just repeats something he said before basically and he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Now here, uh, the NIV is the translation we're using. It's changed it to obey, but the Greek word is still the same. It's still keep. Anyone who loves me will keep my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus restates some previous statements. And then he adds, all this I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Now there's a moment again for the disciples of, ah, wait, you're leaving again? Okay. Jesus says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you the sense of this, even though that is good, is still, okay, now Jesus is leaving. He said the Spirit's gonna be with us forever. Now the Spirit's gonna remind us of everything that you've taught us. This really sounds like you're going away for not just a long time, but for good. Jesus is aware of this, and so he's trying to comfort them as their unease is growing. And it's appropriate that their unease is growing. Jesus has been their teacher and leader for nearly three years. And they've given up careers for him and his mission. They've endured some really strange things and some really difficult things. And it's not just that, but they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of all the things that they have heard about Israel's restoration and God's kingdom being established. So not only does it seem like they've invested and given their time, their lives to Jesus, and that's in question, but the fulfillment of God's promises are also in question. Have you ever had hopes or dreams that you lost? Have you ever felt sort of the very breath of your soul get taken away as life kind of knocks the wind out of you? That's where they're at. What is happening? And so Jesus, knowing this, says, I, I leave you peace, shalom. I leave you a sense of all as it should be, flourishing. And it's his peace, which I believe comes from his own relationship to God and to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, this is what I'm leaving you. This is what I'm giving you. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Notice he doesn't say Don't worry because nothing bad is going to happen. He just says, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. And I am leaving, but I'm going to the Father who is greater than I, so so don't be sad, and I'm telling you now so that when it happens, you're not unaware of what is happening and that you will believe. And then he goes on to this weird section about the the prince of this world who... um, if, if you are familiar with sort of the arc of scripture, you know that there is this being uh, known as Satan uh, who is bent against God and tries to destroy everything that God has deemed good. And that really represents death in terms of sort of this battle with Jesus, that, that Satan believed he was victorious when Jesus died. But we knew from other spots in John that Satan is also the father of lies. And Jesus says he is coming and gonna have this moment of seeming victory so that the world can learn that Jesus loves the father and does exactly what the father has invited and commanded him to do. Because in this moment when Jesus dies, we we read uh, in the Gospels that Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he sweats blood because he's under such distress about this. But he says, not my will, and then says to God, but your will be done. And so there's this sense in this that when the world sees this, they're going to see the love that Jesus has for his Father and the devotion that he has to the Father, and that is going to facilitate belief. but he wants them to know that he's not leaving them without help. We have an advocate, a teacher, the wind of truth. So moving on to chapter 15, and this is where some of you are gonna get, uh, uh, you're gonna send me some emails or something because I'm gonna sort of skim through some of this, and for some people, chapter 15, the beginning, is some of their favorite stuff, Um, and and I'm gonna try to get as much of it as is helpful. Um, because Jesus continues to explore this reality of love and keeping and, and having uh, these commands, because he further defines it as abiding, to live in and to dwell in and to have as your home and all the things that home is meant to be. And he uses the illustration of vine and branches. He says, I am the true vine. And then in order for us to bear fruit as the branches, we have to abide in Jesus He says that as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so he further invites us to abide in his love and that we will do so by keeping, tending, nurturing these commandments just as he has kept his father's commandments and has abided in his father's love. And so he's starting to say, look at my life. This is how this is done. But the question we should have then is, okay, so we need to do this. We need to keep your commands, and, but what are they? Is it the same as the Ten Commandments? Is it something else? Is it the law of the Israelites? They got a bunch of rules and commandments. Thankfully, Jesus seems to be onto us. He says, this is my commandment in chapter 15, verse 12 and following, that you love one another as I have loved you. these things I command you so that you will love one another. So the commandment of Jesus that they are to keep and in doing so show their love for him is to love one another. For us in some ways that should feel like, oh, that feels so much better than a list of 10 or 600 things that I have to attend to. Just one but it's to love one another. And Jesus is saying, not only do you need to do this, but you need to do it in the midst of hate because the world is gonna hate them as it hated him and as it hates God. And so that makes it more difficult to love when hate is in the space. And so the disciples and we will again need help. And Jesus reminds us where that help comes from, the help to love and give testimony about the truth because what Jesus is saying here is that as we follow him, as he follows God, it's gonna be a testimony and testify to the world about who God is. And so in 15, uh, 26, and 27, Jesus says this, when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you've been with me from the beginning. And again, this idea of testify is not just I'm going to go speak about it. It is because what has happened is we've changed inside. We've tended this commandment to love one another inside of us, and it's working its way out. And we are going out and loving people in the midst of hate. And people see that and go, oh my gosh, that's so good, and that's something different. How does that happen? So we find ourselves sitting with the disciples, wondering, what is going on? They're trying to figure out what Jesus is even talking about with his leaving, and wondering, is that just what he said? What does that really mean? Did, is that the, the words that just came out of his mouth? Is he for real right now? Because he said he's going to show up again for us, but not the world? saying that we're to love one another in the midst of being hated and maybe being tempted to hate and maybe even having to repent of hating. And that brings us to chapter 16. Jesus has said he's leaving. His followers are worried and confused about this. He's promised to send an advocate, the spirit of truth, who's gonna teach his followers everything and help them remember all the things that Jesus has said to them. Jesus has been saying his followers need to keep his commandments in a way that that it's something within them that gets lived out and moves within their internal person like breathing. And he's called this abiding. He's promised that the Holy Spirit will help us do all this as a way of testifying to the world about Jesus and about God. And now he says in chapter 16, which I'll read, it's chapter 16, one through 15. He says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue, in fact. The time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you were filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, the spirit will guide you into the truth, all the truth. The spirit will not speak on his own and will speak only what he hears and will tell you what is yet to come. Spirit will glorify me because it is from me that the Spirit's gonna receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus now shifts and says, look, I've told you that the world is going to hate you and here's what's going to happen. You're going to be kicked out of the synagogue and people thinking they're doing service in my name are going to kill you and think that that is, is like an act of worship to me. That that's, that's what's coming for you. That's the, the space that you're supposed to love and that love is supposed to be sort of a testimony and testify to who I am. It's in that space that that's where that's supposed to go. And Jesus acknowledges that they're grieving. But he says, this is the best that I go. And I have to be honest when I read this, the language it's written in feels like any time someone has told me that something I don't think is good for me is good for me. Um, And so I have a bit of an internal reaction to this. It's like when someone says, I know you're not gonna like this, but trust me, it's, it's best for you. It very rarely ever feels best for me in that moment. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. But Jesus here is saying, it is best that I go away because if I don't, the advocate will not be sent. And so Jesus finishes this section about the Holy Spirit. He says, when the advocate arrives, the Advocate is gonna prove the world to be wrong about three things, about sin, about righteousness and about judgment. And he adds these phrases after each one. He says, sin because people don't believe in me. Righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And judgment because the prince of this world is now condemned. If we unpack each of those just a little bit, Jesus says the advocate is gonna convict the world to be wrong about sin because people don't believe in him. We've heard other parts of scripture talk about the wages of sin is death. And because humanity has turned from God, that we all suffer death. But if we believe in Jesus, we're told that we have a way to move past death. We still have to die, but there's something after that. And that the world who doesn't experience that in a way that can provide that experiences something different and so the spirit is going to come and convict the world of this reality of sin but also in that is the reality of redemption there's a hope of that's not how it has to be there's a hope that where love has existed Jesus has been present the spirit has been present and there's always hope in love the Spirit's gonna convict the world of righteousness because I says I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Righteousness means rightness and Jesus has stated several times that when he is crucified and raised from the dead, the world is going to learn what righteousness looks like in his life, a life lived in love with God in such a way that Jesus wants to do everything that God asks him to do. And so Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit going to reveal this to the world. But again, in revealing this, there's also a possibility for people to enter into that right relationship. We read in 1 John that God is love. Wherever love is present, God is. There's hope in that. Jesus says, lastly, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and convict the world about judgment because the prince of this world is now condemned. In other parts of this gospel, we've encountered Jesus saying that people need to stop judging solely by appearances and need to look deeper into a situation or a person not to make weak judgments. And he's saying that the world has made its allegiance with the father of lies, the prince of this world, and has judged poorly, So the Spirit's gonna convict the world of that judgment but also reveal that there is a just and good judge in God that can be trusted, that can be hoped in, that we can experience love in that space. Because with every conviction, there is a step into something new, into hope, into life. It's believe and live. And so to recap all this, Jesus is leaving his followers but not leaving them without help. He's sending another one, another what? Another advocate, another one actually just like Jesus to come alongside and to help and encourage, to teach and guide into truth, to help followers to testify to the reality and truth of Jesus through lives lived and keeping the commandment of Jesus to love one another in the midst of and in the face of, of not just hate but being hated and sometimes discovering our own hatred and repenting of that. And the Holy Spirit's gonna convict the world and us if needed about our belief and posture concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And in this, we'll also provide revelation regarding how to restore our relationship with God and no longer remain turned and bent from him. And Jesus ends with talking about how the Spirit is like him and that the Spirit's only gonna speak what he hears. And it sounds very similar to all the spots where Jesus says, I only do what the Father tells me. Right, and so Jesus is sort of sealing this time up by saying, look, I said earlier, he's gonna send another one, it's another one like me, of the Father's purposes. Now, I wanna try to provide some wrap-up to this. Are either you or anyone you know feeling concerned, afraid, like your support has been taken away or maybe your breath or someone else's breath has been taken away from them and they're alone, they're hurt, and they need life. Someone to come alongside and help to pick up and to move with, to lead and to guide and to walk with? Is there anyone who needs to learn, to learn the truth, to be guided in the truth, to be educated? Anyone who needs help loving in the midst of hate? Do you know anyone who's experiencing hate? Either being hated or hating. Is there space to move past that to something new? I want to ask you to do an exercise because one of the questions that I have is how do we practice this attending to the spirit and all this stuff? If this is what we're supposed to do, how do we get close to the spirit? Where is the spirit? Um, And for the last several weeks in our sermons, um, both Rich last week and for a few weeks before that, we've been beginning this exercise of having you engage with the story with your imagination. This is a practice of how to do that. And so I want to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to just sit. And imagine this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And you're there, present with them. Is it nighttime? Daytime? Are they inside or outside? Where do you find yourself in the group? Or are you out of the group? Are you standing or sitting? Are you close to Jesus? How are the people there reacting to Jesus as he talks? What are the looks on their faces? What are they wearing? What are the smells in the air? Has Jesus noticed you? What is the look on his face as he talks? Or when he's silent? Who do you notice in this space that needs help? That needs a companion to come alongside and to carry and walk with? Who needs conviction? Who needs something to turn to lead them into belief and life? Maybe that's you. Maybe it's someone else. I want you to just sit in that space for just a moment, and then we'll close. It is my belief as we engage with our hearts and imaginations this is one of the best ways to attend to the spirit It's one of the ways the spirit moves I believe even in this story if you found either yourself or maybe even someone you thought of earlier when we went through the list of people who are hurting or alone maybe you saw them in that space That's the Holy Spirit moving. That's the Holy Spirit saying, here's an opportunity for you to testify about the love of God by going to a person who needs help. By walking with. Maybe it's you. Maybe you need that. And the Spirit is saying, here's an opportunity to testify by allowing me to come and be present. I want to encourage you to try to do this more often with scripture, with the songs we sing. Um, In just a moment, uh, Brian and Jessica are gonna close us in a song. I have a couple of other questions that I would like you to to think through uh, today and and over the rest of the week also. Um, And uh, some of them we just asked, but that's okay. Uh, So the first one is, where is the Spirit present in this moment, in this, in this conversation that Jesus is having, the one who is an advocate and walks alongside? Um, and are you aware of the Spirit's present, presence in you as you imagine this? Is that something you can sense? Is it, are you aware of it in a, in a knowledge way, in a heart way? However you are aware of it, uh, are you aware? Next, is the Spirit speaking to you? And if so, what is the Spirit saying to you? And if not, what do you think that means? Just because there's silence doesn't mean that there's not content and there's not movement and meaning in it. So let me pray and then we'll close close with a song. Uh, And remember too that uh, if you need prayer for anything, uh, the prayer team is available for you uh, to, to, to do that. So just click that request prayer button and you be moved through the system to get you there. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, um, I just ask that you be, you be present. We so need you in this time. a time of hatred in our world, time of confusion yeah a time of hurt um, Lord at the same time you're moving and love is still very present and very strong and so I pray we would find ways to love in the midst of the hate in the midst of fear um, And that we would be open to being convicted if necessary. Um, That you would change us and help us and lead us and guide us in all truth and in all love. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.